We are going to be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to, 34, to 47, only 10 verses. It starts really abruptly. Have I got that right? Oh, it'll be up here. It's in our um, Black Bibles, page uh, 1693, and we're starting at 37. At this point, it's Pentecost. And if you've got a chance, read chapter 2. So many wonderful things happen in this chapter. And so it starts really abruptly. The, the, uh, the Holy Spirit has come, the apostles have run out, speaking in uh, strange languages to the people of Jerusalem, and Peter has yelled out over the top of all of them, this is what this means, these men aren't drunk as you might think. What this is a symbol of, this is what's happening, God has poured out his Spirit on these people. And this has happened because of Jesus, the man you killed. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And they will, rec and they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who needed them. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the mums out there. I hope it's a, a great day for you all. Uh, whether you're a regular member here or just visiting, whether you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus or, or just checking out what Christianity is all about, no matter where you land on the, the introvert, extrovert sort of spectrum, we all have a desire to belong, don't we? To be accepted and valued for who we are, to be part of something that's bigger than just ourselves, whether that's at, at school, at work, at church, at a social event, part of a team, whatever it is, we want to feel like we're a part of it, don't we? I went to watch the Crows play last weekend. I rocked up to Adelaide Oval with my, my Crows scarf on. I was cheering when they scored goals, which wasn't that often, but that's, that's all right. And there were, there were 40,000 other people at the ground doing the exact same thing as me. I felt like I was a part of it. We were in it together. I belonged. It felt good. And the story of the Bible is that God calls us to, to belong to something better than anything else, to be his people. Following on from Easter, what we're doing here at Trinity Church Allgate is thinking about what comes next after Easter, after the resurrection. What does it mean for us knowing that Jesus has been raised back to life? 
And the way we're answering that question is to look at what the Bible says about who it is that God wants us to be. Because that gives us our purpose and direction as a church. We're making sure that our purposes are aligned with God's purposes for us. We've, um, we've condensed it into five words beginning with M, just to make it a bit more memorable. The first M that we looked at was, memorable starts with M as well. Is that what you were laughing at? Yep, good. <laughs> just cut that out of the recording. Uh, so we started with looking at magnification a couple of weeks ago, which is our wholehearted, whole of life worship of God. It's, and when we realize just how awesome God is, we want other people to see this as well, which leads to our second M, which is mission, making disciples of Jesus. And as we become disciples of Jesus, we're not just united with Jesus, we're united with each other as well. And this is M number three, membership, which we'll be looking at today. If we think about our vision as a church, which is to love God, to love each other, and to love everyone in the world, membership is all about that, that second love, loving each other. And this morning, we're going to look not just at the passage from Acts that Paul read for us, but we're going to be looking at how the Bible as a whole paints a picture of God calling us not just to follow him, but to follow him in loving membership with each other. And I want to start by taking us right to the end of the Bible, where we see, that the, we see what the end goal is that God is working towards. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, there's a vision of what will happen in the end times. And what we see is that in the new heaven and the new earth that will come, God will dwell among his people. They will be his people and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is a beautiful picture of God's end goal for his people. His people living together in perfect community with him forever. No more sin, no more death, no more pain. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see a similar thing. We see that God's ultimate plan is to bring all things to unity in heaven and earth under Christ. And when that happens, God's people will share in a glorious inheritance together. So the bottom line is that God cares a lot about people. People aren't just a little side project that he's going on to keep him entertained for a few thousand years. We're part of his long-term plans. And knowing God's end goal for his people helps us to understand the membership that he calls us to in the here and now. And it's not just at the end, but throughout the Bible, we see God's ongoing commitment to calling a people to himself. We've started right at the end of the Bible. We'll rewind right back to the start of the Bible. And right at the start of the book of Genesis, God makes people in his own image. And part of being made in God's image is that we're relational. We can relate to God and we can relate to each other as well. Those relationships are then corrupted by the fall because sin affects our relationships. It's, it's, when, we call, it's when we choose to follow our way rather than God's. And it affects not only our relationship with God, but our relationships with each other as well. But these relationships aren't completely destroyed. We're still relationally wired. 
We fast forward a, a few generations in Genesis. We come to chapter 12, where God appears to Abraham and he tells him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And then we see from, from Abraham's descendants, the nation of Israel is born, God's people. We fast forward again a few hundred years and Israel are enslaved in Egypt for a period. God frees them from that slavery and he tells them, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. But of course, if we know how the, the Old Testament pans out after that, we know that the Israelites fail to obey God. They fail to live obediently as God's people. And eventually, God punishes them by sending them into exile. But even when this happens, even when it looks like perhaps God has abandoned his people, he still cares for them. He's still committed to them. He promises them in the book of Ezekiel of a day when I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Sounds very similar to Revelation 21 there. And when God makes this promise, it's clear that he's not simply talking about the nation of Israel, but he's talking about something beyond this. We get along to the New Testament and we see that being God's people means being part of the spirit-filled community, living in response to the gospel. And we see that really coming into play in Acts chapter 2, which we've just read. Um, as Paul said, Peter has proclaimed to the crowd about who Jesus is, how he's been crucified, but how he's been raised back to life as well. And then he tells them how they can be saved, which is by repenting and being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. That is, turning away from their sin and accepting Jesus as their king. And the response to this is amazing, isn't it? We, we can read the passage a bit and get a bit desensitized to how amazing this is, but 3,000 people accept Peter's message. They believe that Jesus has been raised back to life and that forgiveness of sins is possible through Jesus. They get baptized and... And then they go off and they live their own lives and they never see each other again. No, they don't, do they? That's, that's not what it says here. They, they devote themselves to fellowship. They, they meet together, they eat together, they help with each other's needs. Believing the gospel message, putting our trust in Jesus and being saved makes us members together of a body it's expressed really beautifully, I think, in, in Romans chapter 12, where it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, we form one body, and each one of those members belongs to all the others. And so following Jesus means belonging to his body together, being part of his body. Jesus has welcomed us into his family. We come to church at Trinity Church Allgate, 11 a.m. service each week as members of his body. And as we, we look around the room, we, we see people who God loves dearly, people who Jesus has laid down his life for. And as we share life together as a church, we, we have, don't we, just the slightest 
hint of God's end goal for his people and what it's going to be like. If you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus, then I hope that's really exciting and encouraging for you as you come along each week and experience that. But you may be here this morning thinking to yourself, well, that's all well and good if you're a Christian, but I'm just not quite sure if that's where I'm at yet. I don't think I've quite put my trust in Jesus in that way. So am I welcome here? And the answer is absolutely. Yes, you are. The picture that's painted in Acts chapter 2 here is a church community is one that's open to everyone. Verse 47, right at the end there, we see that people were being saved every day, which when you think about it, would be quite difficult if only Christians were allowed anywhere near there. We very much want to be seen to be a community of people shaped by the gospel and for people to, to want to come and to experience the full blessings that Jesus offers. We want people feeling welcome to explore with us what it means to follow Jesus. There's no doubt, though, that our fellowship reaches a whole new level when it's grounded in a saving faith in Jesus, when we're united together in the the love of the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, that's the special unity that the church had in Acts chapter 2, this unity together in God. And it's the, the special unity that we have as well today. The whole reason that we're running the Life Explored course that Chris and Ken were up here a moment ago talking about is we want to give people the opportunity to, to work out what it means to follow Jesus, why it matters and how it shapes everything in our life, including the fellowship that we have with each other. Part of the privilege of membership in God's family is that God uses us to do his work. We do that by loving each other, by building each other up in the faith, and by providing for each other's needs as they arise. These are the marks of membership, if you like. God has created us to be relational. He's called us into community together through the saving death of Jesus. And the New Testament in particular is filled with instructions about what it looks like for God's people to live together in community, what life together in God's family ought to look like. And it begins with loving each other. Jesus tells these famous words to his disciples in John chapter 13. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So love for one another is really a hallmark of Christian fellowship. It's, it's, what, it's Christian DNA. It's what, what we do. Everything else that we do flows out of this love that we have for one another. As we read through the New Testament letters, we see lots of instructions about what life looks like together. We see instructions to honor one another above ourselves, to be patient and to bear with one another in love, to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving, to pray for one another, to teach and to encourage one another, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and so much more. So out of our love for God flows 
a love for each other. And out of that love for each other flows a desire to see each other's needs met, to see each other become the people who God wants us to be. And of course, it's God who ultimately does that work. But what a privilege it is that we get to play a part in that role. See, God has a plan that one day Sam is going to be made perfect. And even now, God is shaping and growing Sam over time to be more and more like Jesus. But he isn't just doing that. He's using us to do that. So Damien and Sean have the privilege of just playing a small role in the great work that God is doing in Sam. It's a, a real privilege to be able to be involved in that process. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Life together in membership that we have here is just a glimpse of the perfect eternal life together that's to come. We're united by the hope of the gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And God is using us to build each other up, to love each other, to care for each other. There's really nothing else that we could be, be part of that compares with that, is there? But at the same time, membership can be difficult sometimes, can't it? Because the picture isn't always as beautiful as we hoped that it might be. Sometimes members of God's family can cause us great pain or great frustration. And maybe that's where you're at right now, feeling relationally hurt, perhaps because of someone else who's in this room. Sometimes our church life can just feel so far removed from that picture of the early church that we had in Acts chapter 2, can't it? And, and even further removed away from the perfect future picture that we have in Revelation. And that's because we're sinful people. People made for relationships with each other and a, and a relationship with God. But our ability to have those perfect relationships has been marred by sin. And so relationships can be hard. But in a way, that's actually exactly what unites us. God's people are all sinful people, saved by Jesus, given a hope that we don't deserve. That's the common factor for all of us. And this gospel unity that we have together can bridge huge, huge barriers. And we see in Ephesians chapter 2 that Paul, who writes the letter, he, he knows that there's great hostility between Jews and Gentiles at that time, but he expects that this hostility will be put to death by their shared fellowship in Jesus as they become members together of God's household. Overcoming relational hurt is never going to be easy. It's going to be sacrificial. It's going to take enormous amounts of love and humility and probably huge amounts of time as well in most cases. But the fact is, we're united by something far more extraordinary and far more powerful than anything that could ever divide us. We're united by the good news of salvation through Jesus and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit within us. That's the fuel for our membership together. All right, so what does this mean for us practically? What does membership look like on the ground here at Trinity Church Allgate? Well, Broadly speaking, the purpose of membership here 
is for everyone who walks through these doors on a Sunday morning to be warmly welcomed, to be included and cared for, so that together we develop a greater and greater love for the church that Jesus died for. That's the, the broad picture. And we can, it's probably help, most helpful to think of membership in, in three areas. We've got welcoming, pastoral care, and family life. And you'll, you'll see there's space on the outline for each of those if you're taking notes. We'll start with welcoming. All right, let's think about frogs for a moment, which might seem a, a funny thing to talk about when we're talking about welcoming, but people, people talk about frogs as being an indicator of a, a good ecosystem. So if you, you're walking past the lake and there's frogs there, you look at that and you think, yeah, that's a good ecosystem because there's frogs, or, or so I'm told. You know, in a way, welcoming is similar. Welcoming is a, a sign of a healthy church. Now, there's, there's lots of other signs of a healthy church that are equally, if not more important, as faithful Bible teaching, a, a good kids program, a whole lot of other things. But welcoming is one that people are going to notice straight away. It's such a tangible way of showing love, showing God's love for people who visit us on a Sunday or people who are, who are still new and still connecting on a Sunday. If you've ever had the experience, I'm assuming most of us have had the experience of walking into a church where you, you don't know anyone and feeling like you don't belong, you understand the importance of being welcomed well. You understand how loving it is to be welcomed well. We've got a, a welcoming team here at Allgate who faithfully serve us each Sunday. They, they do a great job. If that's something that you're interested in getting involved in, being in a, in a formal role helping out on welcoming, then that would be fantastic. We're always looking for more people to do that. And please have a chat to myself or to, to Phil or Alison Crawley, if you know them. We'd love to, to chat about getting you involved with that. But really, welcoming is a whole of church effort, isn't it? Our welcoming team has over 200 people here at church. Uh, we recently ran a welcoming course where we, we had 12 new people come along, people who were new to the church. And it was fantastic. It was really encouraging to have new people coming along. We're running another one of those courses coming up in June. We're doing it over three Sunday lunches beginning on June 16. So if you've joined us recently and, or you're joining us for the first time today and that's something you'd be interested in coming along uh, meeting some new people, meeting a few of our regular members, and just getting a bit of an accelerated feel for, for who we are as a church. We'd love to have you along to that. We'll have a bit more detailed information out about that soon, but keep that in mind. We'd love to have you along. So that's welcoming. Pastoral care is also so important, how we love and care for each other, particularly during times of need as they, as they arise for us something that's happening informally already. So Alicia, my wife and I, we've um, probably had a few more opportunities this year to road test the church's pastoral care capacity than we, than we planned for, I think it's fair to say. Um, but our experience has been that this is a church that loves and cares for its members very much. So there's a lot to be encouraged about. What we're keen to do this year is just to, to put a bit of structure into that and putting together a pastoral care team just to, to make sure that those things that are really happening well informally are happening even, even better on a formal capacity. Um, so that will involve the meals team that, that Phoebe's been up here talking about. We'll also have a prayer team and hopefully doing a bit of pastoral care training as well, just to be able to build all of us up in that area. 
Again, though, like welcoming, we have a 200-person pastoral care team here at Allgate. It's something that we all do together because we care for each other. And when we go the extra mile for each other during times of need as they arise, that is a really powerful expression of a church family's love for its members. So if welcoming is stage one of membership and if if pastoral care is what membership looks like, uh, particularly during some of the difficult times in life, then family life is really everything that goes on in the middle. It's, it's how people go from being welcomed when they first come here on a Sunday to being integrated and, and feeling like part of the family. And it's how we build relationships with each other so that we can know how we can best care for each other during those times of need, how we know each other's needs, what we can be praying for each other. Family life is what happens when we meet together on a Sunday, um, on a Sunday morning or in a home group, in Yabby's last basement, whenever we're meeting together under God's word, but just whenever we're meeting together in general as well, when we have a pizza lunch after our Easter Sunday service, when we have a bush dance on Easter Sunday evening. Uh, the women's weekend together that's coming up in a couple of months' time is, is one of those great ways uh, for the women of our church to be able to experience that membership together. Uh, having people around to our houses for lunch after church or even just going out for lunch after church is a great way. And so I'd really encourage you as you're able to really make the most of the opportunities that you have to have fellowship with each other, which includes being at church regularly. Now, I totally get that people get sick, kids get sick, we go on holidays, things come up. We don't expect that anybody is going to be here every single week for the whole time they're at this church. I mean, if you do, great, well done, but totally get that things come up and stop that. But we really do encourage each other with our presence when we're here week in, week out. It might, might not seem like much being here on a Sunday, but when, when we're here each week, it's actually a really great encouragement to everyone else who comes along and sees us here each week as well. Getting here for morning tea and being able to chat to, to people over morning tea and also get to know a few 9 a.m. people if you're normally at 11 a.m. and staying around and chatting to, to people afterwards. It's just great to be able to go that extra mile as, as we're able and to be able to get to know each other a bit better, to have those real conversations uh, so that we're able to care for each other and able to pray for each other and just know each other better. As God's family, we are united together by something extraordinary. We're, we're united by the good news of Jesus' saving death and resurrection and the work of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. Knowing Jesus, it's not something that's just individual. It doesn't just affect us ourselves. It's something that draws us together into his body as his people. And so we, we are a part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves, something that will last into eternity, something that we, we just have the slightest glimpse of now. We have the privilege of being used by God to build each other up, to build each other up in him as we await that day when we're going to dwell together forever in his presence. Let me pray for us.
Heavenly Father, thank you for the great love that you have for people. Thank you that even though we have sinned against you, even though we've let you down in what we've done, that you have been faithful to us, that you've called us to yourself, and that you give us the joy not just of being united in Jesus and his death and resurrection and the saving love that you've shown us through him, but we're also united with each other and that you give us the privilege of being a part of the way that you're working in each of our lives. We, we pray that you would help us to take that seriously, to love each other as you have loved us and to be joyful in the privilege that it is to be part of the work that you're doing in each person here. So please be drawing each other together in love and in care for each other and that we might be a church that is more and more characterized by the love that you have shown us. In Jesus' name, amen.